Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I am your host, Andre Hutchins, and you are listening to episode 22 of the Backseat Directors Podcast. I am very happy to be here with all of you today and very happy to be back after somewhat of an extended break. Um, But yeah, my wife and I, we both uh, just got back from Orlando, Florida. I had a work conference to go to down there uh, just for a few days, and uh, we just kind of took advantage and went to Disney World as well. But we're back. And we're ready for some more movies and some more movie reviews. And today, I am very excited to introduce the co-host for today's show. Uh, He is the the co-creator and co-host of the Big Screen Breakdown podcast, Mikey Hidalgo. Mikey, welcome to Backseat Directors. Thank you for having me, sir. I'm very excited to be on. Absolutely. And Mikey, you and I have been talking about this actually for quite a while. Yes, Uh, I, I believe we met over Instagram and, you know, we just got connected, started talking. You said, hey, let's do a movie review. I said, which one do you want to do? And uh, you chose one and finally we're doing it. Here we are. <laughs> so, Mikey, um, you know, you are one half of your your own podcast. Um, and so just like, as I said, you're a co-host of Big Screen Breakdown. But l- yeah, let, let, our, let the listeners know what your podcast is, how it got started. And uh, yeah, who your other co-host is. So go ahead. Awesome. Well, like you said, um, our our podcast is called Big Screen Breakdown, and I actually uh, co-host it with my wife. Her name is Genevieve, and we, um, we we love watching movies. We've watched movies our entire relationship. That's kind of you know our first date. Let's go to the movies, and you know I've loved movies my entire life, and I've kind of drug her along with me in that, <laughs> in that adventure yeah and um as as you know we watch movies we start talking about it having conversations between ourselves with our friends and i had another friend a buddy of mine named chris who said uh, you know you guys should look into doing a podcast you guys are always talking about movies and people might want to hear what you have to say and with that i asked her if she wanted to do one she said sure and it's it's fun because we get to we play off of each other and I um, am a lot deeper into movie. Uh, I love like fan theories. And I like, let's say if it's a superhero movie, like I read all the comic books and she's more of the take the movie for what it is person. So she she's more accepting of certain movies where I might have a critical mind on it. So we balance each other out very well in that. And uh, it's been going great so far. We're about 13 episodes in. So if you guys want to listen to a nice married couple potentially fight sometimes or just have some fun (laughs) and go on over and listen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So I've listened to most of your episodes and I don't, I don't recall any uh, fights or arguments yet. And maybe I missed (laughs) one in there, but uh, no, you guys do a great, uh, you guys do a great job. I really enjoy your podcast. So, but you, you said that your first date was a movie. Yeah. Yeah. What what movie was it? Um, It was actually the if I if I remember correctly, it was the fourth Paranormal Activity movie because uh, I met her <laughs> right around October or the end of September, beginning of October, and um, you know so it was Halloween time, so that movie was out, and I was just looking for an excuse. So I was like, "Hey, do you like scary movies?" And she's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh, well, let's go." I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of those, but I was just looking for any any excuse to get her on a date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's great. I, I I know my first date with my wife was not a movie, but. I, I don't remember when we saw our first movie, but I do remember our first movie, and it was uh, it was the sequel to the Divergent movie. I think it's called Insurgent or something like that. I th- yeah, think. Yeah. 
But it's yeah, so- and it was a pretty forgettable movie. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the paranormal activity would have been would have been a little bit more memorable. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, so yeah, Mikey, I'm glad glad to have you on. And Genevieve, if you're listening, you will most undoubtedly be on Backseat Directors and review a movie with me. Um, so yeah, don't feel left out. <laughs> no, no, I'll let her know. <laughs> awesome. All right. So Mikey, uh, so yes, what sir. we do, what we do on backseat directors, as you already know, you know, we want our listeners to get to know you since they don't get to hear you on every single podcast, what right. kind of movie fan you are, what kind of movie critic you are. And, uh, just, you know, just a way for us to share in the diversity and the commonality of movies. And that is what we will do on our get to know you questions. Now it's time for some get-to-know-you questions. All right, so Mikey, first question, number one. What is your Desert Island movie? Okay, so I've listened to probably most of your podcasts as well, and I put a lot of thought into this because I'm real big on superhero films. I'm real big, you know this, on Star Wars because we've had plenty about this <laughs> yeah. um, there's not really a genre of film that i don't like per se uh, but i had to think real long and hard about this question and i've chosen a movie from my childhood a movie that i can watch and feel happy and laugh and just have fun with and that is heavyweights yes yes <laughs> oh my gosh yes oh mikey uh-uh. awesome movie Oh, dude, that movie is a classic. It I is know. a classic. <laughs> I I honestly don't think there's a more quotable movie than Heavyweights. Such a great you, choice, man. You are speaking my language, sir. I love that movie so much. Me and uh, me and my wife, Jen, we actually, when I, she hadn't seen that movie before. So we went to, I kid you not, maybe six or seven stores looking for it. Couldn't find it anywhere because it's from the 90s. Uh-huh. So I ended up ordering it off of Amazon on Blu-ray. And we had to wait. But when it got there, man, it had so much fun. She loves the movie now. We watch it all the time. Dude, it was in, it was in an era when Disney movies were – they were – like Disney kid movies were kind of edgy, you know? Just they like were. a little bit edgy, you know, for being a yes. Disney movie. And I miss, I miss that era. And Heavyweights, man, oh, dude, that's such a great movie. Great choice, dude. Yeah, so quotable. <laughs> I, I said a line the other day. Someone asked me, like, oh, what did you learn? And I said, don't put Twinkies on your pizza. <laughs> you know what I was talking about, but I knew, so that's all that mattered. Oh, dude. And, and probably my favorite Ben Stiller movie. Honestly, I, I, I love him in that movie. He's so good in that one. Yeah. All right, man. Okay, that's a great, great selection. Question number two, Mikey. What is your favorite movie theater snack? Okay, so like I said, I've listened before, so I know that popcorn doesn't really count. Um, however, I do get popcorn every single time. And so I kind of have two. Um, a tradition that I've had forever with um, since I was a kid when my, me and my parents would go to the movies, my mom would always buy Raisinets. So Raisinets kind of has a special place Ooh, in my heart. Yeah. However... Um, I have to be uh, a little sneaky with this next one because they don't sell them at the theaters. <laughs> my wife carries a big purse. So it's me and sour gummy worms. And so every time we go to the movies, we hit the 7-Eleven first and I grab some sour gummy worms. So I don't know if that counts because technically they don't sell it at the theaters that we go to, but I have to have them at the movies. Dude, I'm with you. So, okay. So out here in Utah, there's Cinemark, 
and there's a local theater company called Megaplex, right? So those are the right. those are the dominant uh, theaters out here where I live. And so Cinemark is very strict and very stringent on what they allow you to bring in the theaters. And they're they're pretty like hard on not bringing anything in, right? So yeah, so you have to have like a big purse or something like that. <laughs> However, though, Megaplex, which is one that we frequent most often, they they don't care. They let you bring in whatever, and I love really? it. But yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, now, what, I know that for you went to go see the triple feature for Planet of the Apes, right? Yes. Yeah, so that um, and that one was at a Megaplex. They were showing it at both, so I could have gone to Cinemark or Megaplex, right. but I went to Megaplex because it was free. So <laughs> when I I went I went to do the uh, Dark Knight trilogy when the Dark Knight Rises came out, and I went to an AMC, and they're pretty strict. Like they they, they don't check you, but you can't just walk in with whatever you want. But however, right. we got these little badges for that triple feature. And they allowed us to go because the the AMC that I went to is literally connected to a mall out here in California. Uh And we were able to walk into the mall and get food from the food court and walk in just because they said they they told us you're going to be here for a while. Go ahead, grab food if you want, and you can bring it back. So I went I went to Chipotle (laughs) and and I was eating it during the like during I think it was Batman Begins was actually. (laughs) But yeah, so. Oh, dude, that's awesome, man! Yeah, no, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about uh, our experiences of seeing these movie marathons because that was my first. So, um, all right, man. So, uh, sour gummy worms, yeah, keep keep them in Genevieve's purse and uh, keep sneaking them in. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> all right, man. Question number three: What was the first movie that made you cry, or if you can't remember, what was the last movie that made you cry? Okay, so I can remember because it was so traumatic for me as a child. Um, this will be. True to your heart here. Movie was Return of the Jedi. Oh. And not for the reasons that you would think. Um, this movie taught me about death, unfortunately. Uh, I might have been five or six years old. And the scene where um, the battle on uh, on Endor and the stormtroopers are fighting back and they're shooting the Ewoks down. And oh. there's the scene. Where there's two Ewoks running away, yes. big explosion right in front of them, and one of them dies, and the other one's trying to wake him up and just sits there sad next to his fallen comrade. And I, I had to ask my mom, like, what's what's the matter with him? Why won't he get up? And she told me he was dead, and I lost it as a kid. So I remember that was the first movie that actually made me cry. Hey, dude, that sounds like a pretty impactful experience. I mean, that's pretty young. I know. Star Wars, man, it does it. <laughs> no, well, no, and I know that scene. You know, I mean, the Ewoks get a lot of flack. You know that they do. Ewoks were added just for merchandising purposes, and maybe so. But that scene, I, I'm with you, man. That scene tugs at the heartstrings. It really does. It does. And I'll stand here as a man and say I cried when the Ewoks died. When I was- <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, there's n- there's no shame, man. And that's that that's a first for uh for this for this question. So well yes. done, sir. All right. Okay. Question number four. Do you have a favorite movie director and or actor? Okay. So this one was really hard for me because I I'm 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 of the mindset where I honestly feel, especially towards actors, that the the age of the Hollywood star is kind of past us now, that, that an actor doesn't necessarily bring people to the movies, to the movies like, like it used to. Like people used to say, oh, yeah, you're going to go see 
that new uh, Brad Pitt flick. It's like, no, you're just people go more for the franchises or or what the movie's actually about rather than the actor. I feel like um, more days. So I had to think about someone who just I've seen do so many different things and I've enjoyed in the majority of their stuff. And the only person I could really think about would probably be Johnny Depp. Huh. Um, just because I've seen him, like I've, I've, I kind of grew up with all different types of his movies, and there, there, there are some definitely, but the majority I've enjoyed of his films. Well, do you have a favorite Johnny Depp movie? Ooh, I mean, it's hard to beat the iconicness of you know Captain Jack Sparrow, yeah, Pirates, yeah. Um, but to try to go out of the box, ugh. You know what movie I really liked him in that I saw later in life that I didn't see when it came out. I caught it on TV um, was Secret Window. Have you seen that one? Oh, it, he's like an author in that movie, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, he's an author, but he deals with like schizophrenia or some sort, and he ends up being like a murderer. Like, if you haven't seen it, sorry for the spoiler, but <laughs> um, like I caught that one on TV one day, and I actually really liked it. So. There's a random one for you. Yeah, no, I, I do remember seeing that one. And Johnny Depp, he, he's definitely kind of an iconic actor of this generation. I think right. I think one of the first movies I remember seeing him in when I was younger was like Edward Scissorhands. Right. You yeah. know, that, that's an older one. And then probably like Eating Gilbert Grape. Um, and so, yeah, that, I, I don't know if you've seen that one with Leonardo DiCaprio, but. Uh, yeah, that's actually one of, uh, one of my wife's favorites. She oh. loves that. Okay, okay, so this is a total tangent. So speaking of Johnny Depp, him playing and eating Gilbert Grape, Leonardo DiCaprio played in that movie. So I just found out just this last week. So when my wife and I, we just got back from uh, the hotel or got back from Disney World and went to the hotel, um, Hocus Pocus was on TV. And so, yes, it's a great one. And so Hocus Pocus, though. Well, so the main character that plays – um oh my gosh why am i blanking on his name um the just the main character guy so that max Max, yes max yes so max the character of max was originally offered to leonardo dicaprio but he yes but he turned it down so he could play with johnny depp and what's eating gilbert grape Wow. Well, I, I mean, based on where he is now, that was probably the better choice for his career. But <laughs> yeah. that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, total tangent. Total tangent. Nothing to do really with Johnny Depp. But yeah, no, Johnny Depp, that's great, man. There's one movie, though, a classic movie of his that I have not seen yet. And that is, um, oh, goodness. Why are all the time blanking on everything? Um, uh, Sweeney Todd. Have not oh. seen that one yet. No. I love that movie. That's, yeah. Like I said, I don't really have a uh, a genre that I don't like. So I enjoy musicals. A lot of people get turned away by musicals, but I, like I love that movie so much. Yeah, you got to see that one, man. Yeah, I'll, it's definitely on my list. I'll, I'll get around to it sometime. So, all right, Mikey. Last question: If you could change the ending of any movie, which would it be, and how would you change it? And if there are spoilers, just give a soft spoiler warning. Okay. Well. I'm sure everybody who, well, you know, I'm not going to assume that everybody's seen this movie. It's just one of the most iconic movies of all time. But Star Wars, here we go again. Uh, Ooh, okay. Yes, yes, I'm going to episode one. Uh, Not like there's enough controversy around that movie. But I, spoiler alert, soft spoiler alert. Yeah, and I I think it's safe to say that most people on Earth have seen this movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I would not have killed Darth Maul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've done it. Um, I know you've seen Clone Wars and Rebels, right? Yes. Oh, and yeah. The line that they have with him, I feel like it would have been more impactful if they would have kept him alive and he could have been the villain in all three of the prequels or played a part similar to, you know, Darth Vader. His, he was the villain throughout all the original trilogy. Right. I just, I don't know. I feel like they missed, they missed an opportunity in the movies and they, they realized it, which is why they brought him back in the right. TV show. But to keep him alive and to be able to have him chasing Obi-Wan for what, um, you know, for what Obi-Wan did to him and to have, obi-wan you know want to face the man who you know murdered his master it just would have been so much better i don't know yeah yeah i I, i'm with you so okay so i remember seeing that movie in theaters and i remember the moment that obi-wan basically slices him in half Mm -hmm. the audience with like a collective yeah just just yells out yes you know like really yes oh i like everyone was at least in the theater that I saw that they were ecstatic that Obi-Wan, you know, was able to defeat Darth Maul. But no, I'm with you in, in the bigger picture of what Darth Maul could have been and probably should have been through the prequels. Yeah. His character was cut way too short. And even though in the rebels, uh, TV show and like clone wars and things like that, um, that they bring him back. And I, I like, I like how he is able to play, his role in coming back, but I, I don't like that he was brought back anyway. Like you can't, I I feel like it just happens way too often in movies where they kill off a very important character, but then somehow they bring him back. You know, I feel like it diminishes it. No, but I'm with you. I don't think they should have killed him. I I, I think, yeah, there could have been, yeah, that Darth Maul could have played a much integral part. Of yeah. the prequels, yeah. No, that's good, yeah, man. Kill him, keep him dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I get, yeah. I feel, I feel well, it. okay, okay. So, for example, <laughs> for example. Oh gosh, let me think without trying to spoil spoil something. Okay, so. Oh man. Okay. S- spoiler warning, listeners. I'm not going to say, but like, if you want to fast forward like 30 seconds, go ahead. So, in Wonder Woman, there is a a per an important character that does die in the movie, right? Um, and everyone's already talking about how, how can they bring that person back? But like, if a movie decides to kill off a person, keep that person dead. You know, I, like it that just, one I agree with, I don't think they should bring it. <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just like, yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Mikey. Awesome, yes, man. Excellent answers. Um, yes. Great job. So let's go ahead and uh, jump into this week's movie. Backseat Directors presents this week's movie. So this week's movie, and, and gosh, this should have been last week's movie, but it is this week's movie just for yeah, circumstance purposes. But it is War for the Planet of the Apes. If you are caught by the gorillas, you must remember one thing. What's that? Never to speak. <clears throat> what the hell would I have to say to a gorilla? Movie Details. War for the Planet of the Apes is the third chapter of the critically acclaimed Planet of the Apes reboot franchise. Caesar and his apes are forced into a deadly conflict with an army of humans led by the ruthless colonel. After the apes suffer unimaginable losses, Caesar wrestles with his own inner darkness and primal instincts to begin uh, his own quest to avenge his kind. 
As the journey finally brings them face to face, Caesar and the Colonel are pitted against each other in an epic battle that will determine the fate of both their species and the future of planet Earth. War for the Planet of the Apes was released in U.S. theaters on July 14, 2017, and it has a running time of 2 hours and 20 minutes. It is rated PG-13 for sequences of sci-fi violence and action, thematic elements, and some disturbing images. So, so in my personal opinion, um, if parents are wondering about kids and seeing this movie, there are three. There are two previous movies in this trilogy, and so. Um, they have gotten more and more progressively violent with each movie. And so, um, I I honestly don't think that this movie is appropriate for kids under the age of 12, probably. Um, there's just, there's just a lot of violence, a lot of gun shooting and things like that. Um, but that is my personal opinion. Okay. Um, so the movie stars Andy Serkis as the CGI generated Caesar, Woody Harrelson as the Colonel, Steven Zahn as Bad Ape. And Amia Miller as Nova. So, listeners, let's talk about Andy Serkis for just one moment. All of you listeners have most undoubtedly seen a movie with Andy Serkis in it. You probably would not even recognize him, though, if you saw him out in public, but that's okay. <laughs> that is only because Serkis rarely plays actual human characters on screen. Aside from playing Caesar in all three Planet of the Ape movies, Circus had uh, had a huge breakout role starting in 2001 in the Lord of the Rings films, starting with The Fellowship of the Ring as he played Gollum. Circus shined in the second Lord of the Rings movie, The Two Towers, as Gollum played a more prominent role in the following in those following two movies. Circus also played King or Kong in the movie in the 2005 movie King Kong. But his most intriguing and mysterious character that he has played um, to date is the Supreme Leader Snoke from the Star Wars The Force Awakens movie. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes is directed by Matt Reeves. Reeves also directed the sequel in this trilogy, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. He also directed some other big screen movies, most notably the 2008 film Cloverfield. Reeves is also signed on to direct the new solo Batman film starring Ben Affleck, um, but it does not have a release date yet. So one little thing that I wanted to add uh, in the movie details section is who the composer is. And I might not do it for every single movie, but I will for the ones where the score actually stands out. So the movie score was composed by Michael Giacchino. The score of this film is absolutely beautiful and it has made a strong case for winning the Backseat Director's Movie Score of the Month. It is my favorite of the three movies. Giacchino is also known for for scoring such films as Rogue One, Zootopia, The Incredibles, Up, Doctor Strange, and the hit ABC TV show Lost. War for the Planet of the Apes had a production budget of approximately $150 million. An opening weekend sales in the U.S. box office topped out at $56.5 million. And the current worldwide sales are in excess of $123 million right now. It held the number one spot through its opening weekend, but it has since moved down to number two as Spider-Man Homecoming has taken back the number one spot. Um, Listeners, at the end of my review with Mikey, uh, we have a few audience members' kind of initial take of the movie. And so I'm going to add that into the recording. So be sure to stay tuned and listen to what they have to say. Backseat Directors Movie Review. Okay, Mikey, um, let's do, let's, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, jump into our movie review. So the first thing I do want to ask you is just kind of like what 
your thoughts and feelings were and your anticipation on leading up to um, War for the Planet of the Apes, the third and maybe final part in this trilogy. Okay, well, um, I was super ecstatic about this movie coming out. Um, I love the first two, the direction that they went. You know, the original Planet of the Apes movies had kind of, you know, always been there, but I never, like dove into them because you know i'm i was i was born in the 90s so i wasn't you know around yeah <laughs> when, in, in the 1960s and 70s yeah, yeah. yeah so you know i had seen them and my dad would watch like classic movie channels and i'd catch catch bits here and there but watching the first and uh, the first movie when it came out was being like oh this is cool how we're seeing how it happened because i know that in the other one they just show up and hey look there's this is whole planet of apes um so seeing the first one it, i, I love that movie it was great and when the second one came out it completely just blew it out of the water and not like just story-wise but the, the the cgi in that and andy circus as caesar like i don't understand why they haven't just invented a category for him to have an oscar and just give it to him every <laughs> single time he's i he's perfect and i don't like i've never I make this joke with um, with my wife, but these movies make me want humanity to die. Like I'm rooting for humans to be extinct so the apes can just live their lives and hey, let let the apes be. Um, so after after Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the second one, I was really excited and couldn't wait to see the, this new one. And when the trailers came out, got me got me even more hyped. And I so I'm just talking about my lead up, right? I don't want to go too deep into yeah yeah no i just kind of wanted to know like you know your feelings of anticipation like how excited were you were you a little bit you know maybe just uh uh what's the word just kind of like cautiously optimistic you know for the movie and yeah and yeah if i guess if you would like the previous two well i was all in because i mean the first one had a different director but uh matt reeves who directed the second one when i heard he was doing the third one i was like okay i'm in because the second one completely blew me away yeah. in in terms of story, in terms of direction, in terms of just how how they can humanize the character of Caesar and all the apes that were there, and you make and you feel for them, and how they can take humans, and you really just like they they're shifting it so much. You see so much of animal savagery in humans, and you see so much humanity in the animals, and just knowing that the same guy who directed that movie is doing this new one. I, I wasn't skeptical at all. I was like, he's going to kill it. There's no way. You have Matt Reeves who directed it and Andy Serkis coming back to do Caesar with the with the talent that they have for all the apes and all the mocap people. Like There, was, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that this movie was going to kill it. And for me, it, it has. Yeah, so I, I was pretty excited going into this movie as well. And uh, just like we already alluded to previously uh, in our guest questions segment. But uh, yeah, I, I got to go see the basically the planet of the apes marathon the triple feature um so it showed back to back rise of the planet of the apes dawn of the planet of the apes and then war uh for the planet of the apes um so i i got to see it just uh one day early um right. but um i had not uh it, it had been a while since i had seen rise or dawn I, it had been a few years at least since you know dawn came out i i saw dawn in theaters but i i don't think i'd seen it since and so um, I, after seeing the first two, 
I was very much reminded of how good those movies are and how much I enjoyed them. Um, I, I think between those two, and I, I, it sounds like for you, Dawn kind of takes the cake between the first two. Um, I, I actually, I really enjoyed Rise. I, I felt that there was so much um, good storytelling uh, with James Franco and James Franco's dad, along with Caesar, that there was this small family unit that, you know, they were... Uh, really on the uh, on the edges of discovery and something that they really had no idea what they were getting themselves into and what it was going to lead to. And so um, for that being kind of the the very beginning of the Planet of the Apes, I thought it was such a great movie. But And then Dawn, how Dawn is kind of just this like seamless transition from one to the next. I, I just, I was reminded of how, how good those movies are. So going into war, I was pumped for war. Like I was really, really excited for war. And, yeah. and I think there were maybe, maybe 20 people in the theater, you know, not too many people signed up to go see uh, seven straight hours of uh, planet. Of the Apes movies. Those are tough, man. Not, <laughs> I mean, as much as, as big a fan of movies you can be, it's still hard to sit, you know, for that long. No, I'm, yeah, energized. I'm, I'm with you. So my, my wife, she came a little bit late. I think she caught the tail end of rise and then she watched Dawn with me. Um, but, um, you know, she, she's not too invested into these movies. So she, she was kind of getting tired. And so she actually left, uh, war, uh, just because war wasn't going to get out to like 1130 anyway. But, um, yeah. now it was still a fun experience and I actually really enjoyed it. But, um, yeah, just going into the movie, I, I actually thought it was kind of a really fun way to kind of transition into the new movie. And so for new, I, I you did say that you saw the, uh, Batman trilogy movies that way. So right. the Christopher Nolan, did you, yeah. did you have a good experience with those? You know what? I, I actually, I did. Um, I had, um, a buddy of mine from work. Uh, he's the one who told me about them. And at that time I had no idea that theaters did things like that. I don't know if they had before. Um, cause I was always like, you know, the Thursday night or before back in the day, it used to be Thursday at midnight. Now it's like seven o'clock, but whatever. Um, so he said, "Hey, man, they're showing all the Batman movies um, bef- before the Dark Knight Rises comes right. out. Go, right. like, um, give me the money, I'll get you a ticket." And I was like, "Oh, dude, that'd be so much fun! Yeah, let's do it." So we went, and I actually ended up sitting right next to other people that I knew, and so it was really cool to go and sit through the movie. And like I said, the movie theater let us go actually bring in food, food, and not just popcorn for you know, seven, eight hours, whatever Right, right. Um, but that was cool. But the, that, um, the one that I was in actually didn't start until like five or six and they didn't play the Dark Knight Rises until midnight. So we didn't get out of there until like three in the morning. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> oh geez. Yeah. So ours started at, I think it started at like 4.30 or 4.40 and we were out of the theater at like 11.35 or something like that. So yeah, it, it didn't go too late. Not as late as yours, but yeah. So the, I, I feel like just because sequels uh, come out, all the time now i feel like these types of marathons are becoming more and more common um i I, (laughs) i'm sure they're probably gonna do like the the most epic marathon when uh episode nine comes out for star wars and they'll show like (laughs) the previous eight for episode seven right did you hear about the one that uh marvel did when i think it was either the second avengers came out they played every single movie up until that point. Oh it was like a two-day thing. 
Holy and you got like Avengers medal if you sat through the whole thing. <laughs> that's I was in- trying to convince my wife to go to that one. She was like, "No, nah. that's intense." <laughs> I mean, you're pulling, you're pulling like an all nighter, and then going through the entire next day yeah. of just movies and movies. That's that's intense. I'm not sure I'd be able to do. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be able to do it. My my eyes are bigger than my brain at that point. I was like, "Oh, let's go!" And I, was like, no, let's think this second. I don't think I'd want to sit there for 48 hours. All right, man. So I, I so after you did you go with Genevieve to uh to war? Did you guys see it yes. together? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we went and saw it. Okay, cool. So after you guys got done with the movie, what was your initial impression after the movie? I loved it. Um, I all I could focus on was what the movie had done for Caesar's character, and and thinking about where it started at Rise because. We like when we when a new movie comes out, we like to watch the prequels to it before, like, you know, like two days before. Like we watched Rise. We saw it on Thursday. So we watched Rise on Tuesday. We watched Dawn on Wednesday and then we went to go see it on Thursday. Um, but just so it was all fresh in my mind. So just seeing the complete story arc and how the how this movie, like I said, makes you we really focus on the apes. Now, it's really funny about it and how much it really makes these movies make you like not care for humanity in that in that world is like how at the the end credits of Rise of the Planet of the Apes and the opening credits of Dawn, literally the extinction of mankind basically could be covered in a movie by itself. But they they just throw it in there as an end credit scene and as an opening credit scene in the next movie. Right. And you don't care about it at all because all you all you all you care about is how Caesar doing and where's he at and how far has he come and what's what's going on with him. So to see what where they take his story in this new one and and it ties in together with perfectly with what has happened. What happened in Dawn plays like with without Dawn you couldn't have this movie. It, it, there's no reason for. If you didn't have the second movie, this movie wouldn't be there. Right. So to see them take what happens in that story in the second movie and finish what was started over there, finish it in this one, it was great. I loved it. She loved it. Good movies. It was a little. It was a little um, for me. A little. The advertisement for it made me think something else going into it, but I wasn't disappointed at all. I just had something different in my brain. And coming out of it, I was still, you know, loving every minute of it. Oh, that's interesting. So, uh, so I I saw the first trailer for War, um, and then I did not watch any of the subsequent trailers. And I actually, someone told me that the final trailer that they put out for War: The Planet of the Apes um, revealed like way too much, or at least he felt like it it revealed too much of the movie. And so, so yeah, so I I. I'm usually willing to watch the first trailer, you know, or like a teaser that the theaters or the studios will put out. Um, and then, but then after that, I'm pretty hesitant on like seeking out trailers. And so I actually, I, I felt like I was going in with a blank slate and, um, but I, I enjoyed the movie too. I, I did. And, and I felt that it fit well within the trilogy and what I think I was impressed by the most. And again, I think this just goes along with kind of seeing the triple feature, um, and having that experience, uh, was that there was not like a single dud in the trilogy that for e- for me, for e- each movie can stand on its own and, and it does really well. And so I think that was what I was impressed by the most. Mm-hmm. So, but my, my initial take though, after the movie was this, I, I, I felt unsatisfied 
And so I, it wasn't kind of so like it's not like when you're eating like a really rich dessert and you just want more and more. It, it was like I felt like there was something missing. And so th- mm. that was my my initial kind of reaction to the movie was like, oh, I just I think I wanted more and I and I felt unsatisfied. And and so and we'll definitely go into that. But that that's kind of I, I enjoyed it, though. I really did. And I thought it was a good movie. Um, but let's let's go ahead and, and talk about some of these things, though. So let's yeah, yeah we'll first do our critiques and then we'll uh, go into our highlights. So. Um, all right, Mikey, let's, let's hear some of the things that maybe you didn't like about the movie. Well, like I, like I said, I, I felt like it was, it was advertised as, I mean, the movie's called war for the planet of the apes and just the way that it was advertised to me, it, it seemed like it was going to be an all out action battle scene after battle scene after battle scene, just like the things that were said in the trailers and you were going to see, something that we hadn't seen before and you do, but it's not what I was expecting and not that it was a bad thing, but I felt that the movie might have, it might have done more with a little bit of a little bit more war for me. Um, You kind of get, you kind of get dropped into it and then it's more of a personal story which I, I I did enjoy, but you know, show me what the title says. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess it, it could have been more war within Caesar for Planet of the Apes, you know. <laughs> Caesar's war for the Planet of the Apes yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I understand that they're trying to play off the old title for battle for the Planet of the Apes. Might as well just make it war for the Planet of the Apes. But um, I don't know. There was that. And then there was um, – what else didn't I enjoy? Well, there was a little thing that might be considered spoilery that um, in regards to the humans and what's going on with them. I don't know if I can say. Well, yeah, well, go, go ahead and say it. And uh, if anything, I can edit it out. Okay, cool. So no, um, just what, what the, the, the thing that the humans are fighting against that virus Right. That that has wiped out all of mankind. Um, and the people that were immune, the virus has now evolved into something that doesn't kill you, but it lowers your brain function, starts with taking away your ability to speak. And we just assume that it you get, for lack of a better word, dumber from there. And I didn't like that because I understand that they're trying to set up where the humans are in the original Planet of the Apes. How they're basically the animals and and they don't speak anymore and you know the ape civilization they have them in cages and whatnot. Right. But I would much have preferred that humanity just fell apart on its own and just ended up diverting back to that. Right. You know, you take you take away power, you take away the lights, and that's when that's when humanity loses itself and that the apes. Like they said in the second movie, they've come so far because they don't need power. They don't need the lights. That's what makes them stronger. And they're able to build this society because they have the intelligence now. And because humans have the, have the intelligence, but they can't do it without all these things that we take for granted now. That they just divert back into this primitive civilization. And I, I much like I, – I, or I prefer that than, oh, a virus makes us dumber. So now we're going to – now the apes can win. Yeah, so this is one of the biggest, um, I, I guess, at least for me personally, one of the 
more glaring critiques that I've had uh, kind of throughout all three of the movies. So you learn in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. You know, so James Franco, Will, he he's like this molecular um, biologist or he you know or a virologist. He creates he creates this virus in an attempt to help his dad uh, who is suffering from Alzheimer's. So Alzheimer's, there is no cure, and he's trying to create a cure. And you know he works for this big pharma company, and so he he basically cracks the code to where he is able to help his dad um and and it works but it only works for a certain amount of time and then eventually you know his alzheimer's comes back it's it's worse than before um but you know he uses the virus on caesar caesar then becomes more intelligent and more and more progressively over each movie um and so the virus though the virus is an a very integral piece to the entire planet of the apes story for all three mm. movies. And it, it, it definitely had its time in the limelight in the first movie. But after that, it's, it, it really isn't developed anymore or, or, or further. And it's, yeah, just like you said, it's the main reason why humans aren't on the earth anymore they're yeah. they've all been wiped out from the virus and those who are remaining are the ones that were immune but even the immunity of of the remaining humans is dwindling right and and yeah i, I think that would have been a much more intriguing storyline to go with on how the apes actually become the dominant creatures in society yes they are helped by the virus and you know increasing their intelligence but their dominance over the humans isn't necessarily because they are more intelligent. It's because of the virus. But but it, then again, I mean, even in War for the Planet of the Apes, it's important, but it's rarely talked about. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted more. If they're going to make that one of the more critical pieces to furthering the story on ha- on the divide between the apes and the humans, then you got to talk about it more. And it's barely talked about. It's that one right. conversation between Caesar and the colonel, and that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all you hear about it. And so, yeah. So for me, yeah, that, that was one of the bigger gripes that I had. Yeah. And it all the only thing that that conversation helped was, oh, so that's why Nova doesn't speak. Yes. That's yes. all. Like it didn't do anything for the story. So that's why I said like they didn't even need to say that. Just have the colonel be a bad guy because he's a bad guy. Not that he has some twisted sense of morality that he's saving humanity from this virus. Just have him be a bad guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm with you. I I think that would have played more into the character of the colonel and make make him be just more of that kind of bad dude, you know. Um, okay, so I, I've got a few more critiques. Did you have anything else that you wanted to touch on before? No, I think I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, let's let me hear what you got. Okay, cool. So, and I'm definitely interested to hear what you think about this. And on honestly, Mikey, feel free to disagree. Oh, I I enjoy disagreeing with people as long as it's on a on a mutual respectful front so we can do this okay so one of the things that i felt that the war for the planet of the apes really nailed was making the movie about the apes humans mm-hmm. humans are no longer a factor really you know like this this movie is about caesar so yep. un, unlike unlike uh the transformers movies where the title is transformers and yet it's about humans with transformers thrown in you know, Planet of the Apes is about apes with humans thrown in, right? Yeah. So, and I, I like that. I thought more Caesar was good, but, but I felt like 
less humans was not as good. And this is what I mean. So, so in the movie, I was finding at, in different scenes in different parts of the movie that I was having a hard time connecting emotionally to the apes um, without the, the presence of humans. And so what I'm, what I mean by this is so in, in the first two movies, um, you, you are able to really connect with Caesar. And I felt like you were able to, because of the, the family environment that he was in with Will and his dad. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I thought that the, that James, James Franco's character, um, helped further our attachment to Caesar because they were attached to Caesar, you know? So, so before the apes are really evolving and becoming more intelligent, you know, we become attached to Caesar because the humans are attached to him as well. And so, and I felt like that was even more furthered, even though Caesar in Dawn of the, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, he is very intelligent. He can speak. They're creating, you know, cities or, or towns and villages and things like that. Mm. You still have two main characters in Malcolm and Ellie who have sympathy and care and even admiration for the apes. And, and so even though some of the apes are still more primitive, you know, and some really can't even talk, we still find it, I, I, for me, it was more easy to connect with the apes and feel emotionally attached to them because there were humans there to help with that attachment. Okay. And so, so in this one though, there are no more humans who have any sympathy or care for the apes. None. <laughs> there are none. Right. And, and and maybe maybe yeah maybe that would have been true like if we're a hypothetical world where all of this is actually happening maybe there are no more humans that care for the apes you know maybe maybe that is long gone that is that is you know so far gone just because of how much the humans are struggling and how much the apes are thriving but i felt like i just i was having a hard time to connect with um really i guess just the apes outside of the main characters because there's just a handful of main apes mm-hmm. that you know are are really highlighted in the movie yeah and, and so i i i thought that nova was going to be that character i thought she was going to be the one to kind of help with the emotional connection to the apes mm-hmm. and and she's not and and that kind of leads into my next critique in that that I didn't really think there was any point to having Nova there. I, 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 her character really doesn't do anything to the movie nor to the, to the furthering of the plot. I, I mean, there, there are a couple scenes where she, she does some things that are important, but I mean, really you could have done those without her. And, mm-hmm. and so she's featured on posters. She's in the trailers. She's, she's in the movie. And yet I I just I didn't really know why she was there. And so I wanted more from her character. For me, those were my two biggest complaints. So what do you okay. think? Okay, well, um going back to what I had said these these three movies you see Caesar's story and his evolution and with that all the other apes. For me, they they humanize the apes so much at the beginning of this movie with the opening scene with what happens. Um, and then, you know, they, they, you see how the apes, how far the apes have come. And now like Caesar goes from saying a few words in the first movie to 
only speaking when he really needs to and only to the humans to now that's all he does is he just speaks the whole time right and, and from it like like how i said it it, it puts the, the apes in the more human spot for me so seeing their relationships seeing you know their civilization for me made them they were the human characters for me in this movie they were they were the ones that I was now relating to. You know, something happens to Caesar at the beginning, and I put myself in the in like, oh man, if that happened to me, yeah, I'd probably want to do the same thing that he's doing. Right. Um, and they showed that they have, you know, relationships and they have families and they have all this stuff that's going on, and they feel hurt and they feel, you know, if you know, the movie's called War for the Planet of the Apes. You got to know that some fighting happens. So if you know, if some of the apes go down, you felt that they were hurt by that. And that, I don't know, it, it, for me, just seeing how far they came, it was, okay, these are the human characters. I don't, in a normal movie, if I'm watching a normal movie with, with human actors, I don't need somebody else to make me sympathize for the humans because, you know, I'm a human and I feel for other humans. Right. But I felt like these movies did such a good job of, of taking the apes and making them the humans for us which is why i said earlier this <laughs> these movies make me want humanity to die and just let the <laughs> apes live and let them be happy yeah and i hear you and, and honestly just i i've been thinking more about it just as we've been talking and i i think i think maybe one of the the issues that i've had in terms of not uh, struggling to find that emotional connection sometimes without the presence of a human is you know how they say kind of like the the mask effect. So like like in Star Wars, you have all the stormtroopers, and mm. you, do, you you when they get shot and killed, you don't really feel an emotional connection because they all look the same. Right, right, right. right? I, I for me, I think that might be one of the things. Just because the ape, the apes are still at a point to where you know they they don't wear clothes. Right. You know they're um they are they are apes. I mean they they look. They look just like an ape. I mean, other than for some of them kind of walking more upright, you mm-hmm. know, they're they're still very animal like, you know, and then they speak and stuff like that. Um, but there, I, I maybe it's just because there's a sense of just, um, oh, what's the word? I don't want to say redundant. Just it's just like the 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 masses of apes when they're all together and they all look the same. And so, um, and again, uh, that's probably just me personally, but there were, there were definitely some scenes that I did feel, um, an emotional weight to them, um, Mm -hmm. to where, you know, things happen to certain apes in the movie, uh, that, Mm -hmm. yeah, you feel it. You definitely feel it. Um, the one though, the one that I, gosh, I, I, Okay. Okay. And Mike, you and I can talk about this offline, but you know, right. <laughs> in, in the beginning scene and the reason why Caesar wants to go after the Colonel, mm-hmm. that was done so quickly. And so just, I, I, I felt like it was, it was just mishandled maybe in terms of really feeling for Caesar I'll give I, it to you. It was rushed. It, it, it was, it was. And so I, I was like, wait, Really? That just happened? I feel like maybe that's something that's supposed to happen at the end of a movie or something like that. But that that was another thing. But okay, enough enough of the critiques. Enough of the critiques. And <laughs> um, unless there's anything else, I, I mean, for me, 
Okay, no, yeah. I no. just wanted to say that uh, on the on the part of the Nova character, and me with me saying that the apes were the ones that were the humans for me, I felt like that's why she was there to like because Maurice, you know, is kind of takes care of her throughout the movie. Right. So so you see that like even with all that's happened, now the apes are at the point to where the humans were in the second movie, the good humans that still had compassion for the apes and didn't want to hurt them. Maurice is that now where it's like. No, I'm not just going to leave her here. I got to take care of her. And so you see that, like, even after all they've been through, these apes are still the good guys and they still can't leave a defenseless child. Yeah. So I just felt like that was showing you how far they had come. Okay. Oh, yeah. So no, we- and, no, and that's good. And, and I, I like it. I mean, I think that's a good rebuttal. Um, uh, Maurice is actually one of my favorite characters throughout all three of the movies. I, I thought he. I thought one he he doesn't speak much he just signs which is great right. but no I I really like Maurice I thought I thought in terms of how he relates to Caesar and his kind of that he's like a counselor to Caesar you know he, Caesar looks to him for advice I like Maurice's role I really do um okay okay I I actually meant to to say this and I'm not trying to rag on the movie too much but this is my last critique so okay the the first the first act of the movie so like the first. 30 to 40 minutes was incredible movie making. My, my eyes were fully glued to the screen and I, I was just, just enthralled with the movie. I loved the first act of the movie. The second act slowed down, but I, I I was okay with how it slowed down because of this journey that Caesar is on, you know, this personal journey and, and that you feel like you're on this, this journey with him. I thought mm-hmm. that the movie did a very good job of pulling you in uh, to, to show how complex Caesar is that yes, he's an ape, but there are deep internal conflicts that he is struggling with and that you go on this journey with him. And so I, I very much enjoyed the first and the second act of the movie. I th- for me though, for me, the third act is where it dropped off. I felt like the movie got stuck in a hole um, to where how the story ended up being, you know, that it was kind of this this breakout escape from jail type type movie now, and, yeah. and instead of I, I felt like it, it kind of dead end. It, it it met this dead end to where I I wanted more from Caesar and knowing his conflict to where all of a sudden it was no more like in. And so I, and I'm trying really hard to find the words without giving too many spoilers away, but, (laughs) but, but the, the movie is, it's two hours and 20 minutes long. If you're going to make a movie that long and I, I was okay with the length. I just felt like, I felt like the third act wasn't as strong as the first two, that there was a lot of emotional development, uh, for Caesar and just, just how deep the movie felt, especially through that second act when, you know, when he's just with his buddies, you know, they're on horses, they're walking the beaches, they find Nova. There's just, there's a lot um, to take in from those scenes. And even though there's not a lot of talking, there's not a lot happening. I really enjoyed that. But you know, when, when things happen, when they meet the Colonel, um, you know, and everything else that happens after that, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't care too much about that part. And especially, especially kind of that final battle. So oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, I felt, yeah, I, I had a problem with that too. I, I forgot about that at the end that I felt like, oh, that was an easy cleanup. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I, and it was just kind of like, they were just like, okay, now let's move on and we're just going to yeah. get rid of everything. So, 
Okay, okay. So that those are my critiques. Don't want to rag on the movie anymore. And for me, honestly, there wasn't really anything else that I, I had issues with. So let's let's go ahead and do our highlights, all right? Let's. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, so as I as I kept praising earlier, Andy Circus as Caesar Man. Yes. Um yeah. he he I don't I don't know. I can't put into words how good he is at that character and really any character that Andy Serkis does, especially, you know, it started with Lord of the Rings and Gollum and uh, Smeagol and all that. But just you are able to put yourself in Caesar's shoes. And especially if you've seen all these movies that the, the story, his story and how they, how they start it and end it um, with, you know, within the three movies, just, Really, I loved where they took his character. Yeah, like that—that that was my favorite thing about it. Just seeing how it starts and then how these movies um, end. Just it was perfect for me. The 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 real kind of hero's journey um, with that, and then um, the just the just the development of the apes and how they've taken them from where we saw them at the first movie and now in this last movie to see their civilization and what they're what what they're going from come from and you can see where they're going to it was it was it was great for me yeah dude andy andy circus he's probably my number one highlight of this movie Uh, and (laughs) just like he said you know because there's not yet like an Oscar award or anything like that for the type of roles that he plays. I don't think there is, is a better CGI actor out there. He's, no, he's one of the first, he's one of the innovators, you know, his work in Lord of the Rings with Golem back in, gosh, when were those filmed? Those were probably filmed in like 1999 or 2000, yeah, you know, they came like 2001, two and three, I think. Yeah. That type of, that type of technology when you're wearing that full body suit and it tracks all your motions. I think that was pretty new and pretty revolutionary. And so for him, he's been the pioneer and, and, and Caesar might be his best performance yet. You know, I, I, yeah, he was, he was awesome. I really, really liked Andy circus and especially in this movie, I think out of the three, he was, he was definitely highlighted in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, uh, what What else you got for highlights? Anything else? You know, like like I said, this movie, um, I had something different in my mind going in with the title like War for the Planet of the Apes. But the tiny moments in this movie um, really, really, you know, gripped me and pulled me in. Like you meet a new character. You've seen they, they've shown him in the chair, so it's not really a spoiler, but his name is Bad Ape. Right. Um, <laughs> I, loved, I loved his character. Yeah. Um, yeah. How they showed because um, they find him and you see all this in the trailer so it's not really a spoiler but i had i had wondered in the other movies was it only caesar's group of apes but you find they found this other ape which means that all the apes around the world are aff- affected by this virus and they're getting smarter it's not just caesar's group that he originally um gifted with intelligence in the first movie right and I, that they threw that in there that oh snap it affects everybody and all the other apes so there's a whole world full of apes that are smarter than they should be or smarter than they were um i liked his character um the the small moments like um there's there's a moment with um a gorilla and nova and a tree i'll just leave it at that (laughs) i like i like the smaller moments in this movie more than the bigger pieces and even even um aside from the virus that we talked about caesar's conversation with the colonel that was a really cool moment just for to see 
who he was and like how serious he was about what he believed his mission in life was. So I think that Woody Harrelson played that character pretty great too. Yeah, same, same. And and Woody Harrelson seems to do a pretty good job with these antagonist roles. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever seen um, Out of the Furnace uh, with uh, Christian Bale, but Woody Harrelson plays the antagonist in that movie. But man, he does a really good job. And it kind of reminded me similar to his his role as the colonel in this movie. But there, there were a lot of scenes to be liked in this movie. The opening scene was phenomenal. I thought that was a great way to start the movie. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed all the scenes um, when just going back to, you know, when Caesar is on his journey and he's mm. he's with his close buddies um, and just their dialogue together and just kind of yep. getting an idea of how differently they think and, you know, just their different opinions and things like that. Um, but I, I, so, okay. So I just to kind of redeem Nova and her character, the, <laughs> the, the one scene that there was actually a very endearing scene that I really enjoyed was when she is sign doing sign with, uh, with Maurice and she asks, you know, am I an ape? Oh yeah, you know, so that was a good scene. yeah, yeah. There, there's there are a lot of very intimate scenes in this movie that I think do very well to help help you feel attached to the movie. And so, even though there were parts that I struggled feeling emotionally attached to some of the characters and some of the events that happened in the movie, mm-hmm. it, there are some scenes that for me did a very good job of making you feel that. And so, yeah, that that that's definitely some of the highlights that I had. But uh, one of my last highlights is the score. The the movie score by Michael Giacchino in this in this movie is very good. It's it's beautiful. It's emotionally driven, and it clearly stands out. So for me, you know, when sometimes when I'm watching a movie, I don't even notice the score. Um, mm-hmm. But when I notice the score in a movie, I I will immediately go and listen to it after I see the movie. And I, and I've listened to the entire soundtrack now just on YouTube and it is phenomenal. It is very good. So yeah, if you haven't listened to, have you listened to it yet? I haven't listened to it. I noticed it while we were watching, but I haven't like listened exclusively to the soundtrack. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very close to just purchasing it right now on iTunes. It is. Really? I'm going to have to listen to it now. I, I honestly think it might be Michael Giacchino's best work. So he, he did Rogue One, and he's done a bunch of other movies. But this might be his best. It's very good. So, wow. I'm sold. I'm going to have to listen to it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, so aside from, you know, my critiques, there's a lot to be liked about this movie. For me, those are my highlights. So, um, all right, um, Mikey, let's, let's talk about just one last thing before we uh, kind of wrap this up. And this is something new that I've added to – um, to what I like to talk about when reviewing a movie. I kind of like, I, I like to just encourage people to think deeper about a movie, especially, especially movies that there might not be too much deep to, you know, deep things to think about anyway. For this one, there's a lot, a lot. Oh, yeah. So, so, um, and I'll, I'll let you go last. I've kind of, I've been letting you go first on these, so I'll let, I'll give you the final words, but so some of the messages and themes that I were, uh, that, that really stood out to me, um, and that I w- was able to take away from the movie is family. So fa- f- the, just the family unit itself, the importance of family and how much the family can strengthen a society. And so, uh, that was one of the kind of 
themes that I took away from the movie and that, you know, when, when we are one, we are weak, but together we are strong. Kind of that, that narrative. Yeah. That, (laughs) that is all throughout the movie and Mm -hmm. just awesome messages that I thought. So, so for you, what were some of the messages or themes that you took away from the movie? Well, I got to definitely co-sign with you on that family. Because uh, there is a scene they've said. I mean, this line has been in all the movies, but the apes together strong. Right. And there was a scene it in, in at the, either towards the end of the second act or right at the beginning of the third act, where you know the apes kind of rally around Caesar and they you know kind of give him a boost, uh, a moral boost, and just to, to to show you know that family aspect of we like you know we are with you. There's another one of those small small moments or less uh exciting moments that really got to me in this one um but i thought another theme from the movie was really you know know yourself who who you are be true to that uh because because of the thing that happens to caesar he deviates and he goes down a, a different path and he he deals with that he's, he's fighting demons literal and he's seeing them um throughout the movie and and not until you know the sort of climax of the third act does he remember that you know this this is who i am this is why i'm here and i'm not gonna go down this path that others might have fallen to so just really know yourself and who you are is a big theme i felt from this movie yeah i like that i like that so okay let's uh any final thoughts before we jump into our recommendation no i think we covered it i think we've uh talked to uh, talk to everybody's ears off about it <laughs> yeah i think so too i definitely think so too all right all right mikey let's go ahead and uh, do our backseat director's recommendation our recommendation so mikey for you is this movie a go see it maybe wait or is it a no go 100 percent go see it especially if you've seen the other ones and if you haven't seen the other ones watch those and then go see it because this trilogy is definitely worth your time so go and see it certified put the stamp on it perfect awesome man i love it i love it okay so this one i i've I've been kind of torn on i I, and honestly just because because of overall how good the trilogy is yeah i i it honestly is one of the best trilogies um that i i can remember you know to where you can watch three movies and really like all three movies and not Mm -hmm. one of them is you know kind of the dud or anything like that um so man I, I'm glad I saw it in theaters. I really am. And and it's a movie that I wanted to see, and it's a movie that I will re-watch. It definitely is. And I'll probably end up buying it. I, I, I think I will. Um, and so, okay, here, this is my recommendation. If you listeners have enjoyed the Planet of the Apes movies, Rise and Dawn, go see this movie. You, you got to go see it. Go finish the trilogy. You'll most likely like it. Um, so, yeah, go see it. If people have been somewhat, you know, I guess not too big of a fan of the other movies, you know, um, and for me, this is my own personal recommendation. Had I not seen it in theaters, I think I would have been okay still. I'm glad I did. But for me, I'm going to give it a maybe wait. <laughs> so, okay. so, All right. and uh, that that's just me tiptoeing around uh, my <laughs> my very intrepid recommendation. So, <laughs> so yeah. But so, maybe wait. They won't be able to hear that awesome score in the theaters. I'm yes. No. It's very true. It's very true. So okay. So Mikey, I don't give I don't give ratings or anything like that in my podcast. But if you would like to, you can give your rating if you'd like. 
You know what's funny is we have been giving ratings because you know we we review movies. Um, we also talk movie news and uh, um, talk about trailers and all that other stuff. But we have been having this conversation for the past couple of weeks, and we've said it on our show that we want to get away from number ratings because that just it seems so you know grading something. And you know I like what you got what you do here. Either go see it, maybe wait, or what was it? Or just a no go. <laughs> or no go. Some I, of the I bad ones. <laughs> I, didn't wanna, I wanted to word it correctly. Um, so we're thinking about something to do. Maybe you know we won't steal from you. So maybe we'll do like a, a five uh, level system or something. Um, so I am going to pass on ratings because I'm trying to stay true to what me and my wife have decided to no longer give things number ratings. Nice, man. I like it. I like <laughs> it. No, I'm, I'm fully on board with that decision. That's great. Yeah, no. And I, and yeah, I, we've had this conversation online and, mm-hmm. and it's something that I really do believe. I think, you know, a number system or star system, I think, you know, just because movies are very personal, you know, everybody's going to have different opinions on movies. And sometimes when, you know, we go on to Rotten Tomatoes and we see that score. We think that's the actual value of the movie itself, exactly. you know, and, and it's not the case. Definitely not the case. So I, I think this movie's worth seeing. I definitely I do. Like, like, but if, if you don't go see any theaters, still watch the movie. Like, yeah, yeah wa- absolutely watch the movie. So, all right, Mikey, that, that is, that is our review of War for the Planet of the Apes, dude. Thank, thanks, man. Thank you. No Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, we're a week late, but I'm, I'm still glad we were able to do this. And, uh, so Mikey, why don't you let all the listeners know how they can follow, uh, you online and how they can get a hold of the big screen breakdown podcast. Awesome. Well, uh, you guys can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Everything, if you just search at Big Screen Pod, um, we're right there, big and bold and black and red letters. Uh, <laughs> so, at Big Screen Pod. If you want to email this show and want to say something that's a little bit more than 140 characters or um, more space than you get online, you can email us, Big Screen Breakdown at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, Mikey, this has actually been officially the longest episode that I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, I ramble, so. <laughs> no, dude, it was great conversation. It really was. And, and thank you for joining me today. And, uh, and listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for downloading today's episode. If you haven't subscribed to Backseat Directors, please do so. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, etc. Um, and, yeah, be sure to leave us a rating. Let us know what you think of the podcast. And as always, if you want to be a Backseat Directors and co-host the show just like Mikey did today, reach out to me. Let me know. Let me know what movie you guys plan on seeing. I'll let you know what movie I plan on seeing and uh, if you want to do a review with me. So, again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week at the movies. The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The BD Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Andre with Backseat Directors. We just finished the triple feature marathon of Planet of the Apes and just got done seeing War for Planet of the Apes. And we're here with one member of the audience and he's going to give us his quick take on 
on the movie. So just tell us your first name, where you're from, one word to describe the movie, and if you think people should see it in theaters. Uh, Matthew. Um, I'm f- originally from uh, Northern California, and uh, I thought it was excellent. Definitely worth seeing in the theaters, absolutely. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate it. Okay, everyone, we're here with just a few more members of the audience, so they're going to give us also their quick thoughts on the movie. Uh, So, yeah, just your first name, where you're from, one word to describe the movie, and if you think people should see it in theaters, all right? Okay. Uh, My name is Matt from Saratoga Springs. One word, deep. It was really deep and definitely worth seeing in theaters. Yeah, nice, nice. All right, man. Cool. All right, you ready? Yeah? So just first name, where you're from, one word to describe the movie, and if you think people should see it in theaters. Good? I'm Thomas from South Jordan, Utah. Um, The movie was spectacular, and it's definitely worth seeing in theaters. Awesome. Thanks, Thomas. You want to be on? Yeah, Cool. Okay, so first name, where you're from, one word to describe the movie, and if you think people should see it in theaters. Uh, Alex um, from West Jordan, Utah. Um, I'll probably say it's marvelous and definitely. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. My God, it's, it's a city of apes.